So, Annalisa, what do you want to be when you grow up? When I grow up, I want to be a hypnotist. Ooh, a hypnotist. Mm-hmm. I like that one. I, I want to make people crow like a rooster on stage and, and wave my, my watch in front of them. That's and what you would do with your powers of hypnotism is you would make people yep. crow like a rooster. I would do parlor tricks with it. Simple parlor tricks. You could change the world. Now, just doing parlor tricks. All right. All right. Crow like a rooster. Clearly, I'm not that good yet. <laughs> no, no. Oh, you just tried to hypnotize me. Uh-huh. I, well, you, you don't have any pocket watches. <laughs> At all. Shoot, I guess I have to get the pocket I mean, watch you, first. You can't just be like, hey, you're hypnotized. <laughs> I was hypnotizing you with my eyes. Just like cock a doodle do. Oh, oh my yes. goodness, what just happened? <laughs> okay, so Jared, what do you want to be when you grow up? I want to be a, an actor. Okay. But a very specific type of actor. We're going for quantity here, not quality. <laughs> oh, that, that sounds great. Right. You're, yeah. So... I'm going to be a TV actor, mm-hmm. but a very specific role. I'm going to be on crime dramas, and I'm going to be like the the specialist who comes in and just speaks a few sentences, but cracks the case wide open. Okay, okay. Like, Turning point in the story. Right, right, but but not in any specific show. So, like, maybe one week I'll be on Law & Order, mm-hmm. next week I'll be on, like, uh, CSI Miami or whatever. Whatever city they're in. Whatever city they're in at that point, right? <laughs> uh, CSI Baton Rouge, whatever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um so, like, they'll be like, oh, man, all we have from this killer is this handwritten letter. Mm-hmm. We better call in the specialist. Then I'll come in and I'll be like, well, I can tell by the direction of the L's in this handwriting that this person is clearly French-Canadian. They're from Quebec. They get up early. They spend their winters in Boca Raton. They <laughs> only drink Diet Mountain Dew. And they were eating a hot dog while they wrote this letter. <laughs> and this is all from their handwriting? I'm the only person in this entire country that could have figured this out. It's a good thing I'm on your payroll and that I happen to be here today and in the next room. And then you walk out. Right. And then I walk out and then two weeks later I'm on CSI Kansas. That is interesting. I hope that turns out for you. I will tell you that. CSI Kansas City, I should say. Uh, Not the whole state. No, that's, come on. (laughs) I had, I had somebody analyze handwriting of mine once. I, I worked with this lady who'd gone to some kind of, I don't know if it was a seminar or a class and she could or she thought she could analyze handwriting. And so she, she took a sample from me and she she got all like clammed up when she tried to tell me about it. And I, I don't know what that meant. I don't know if something in my handwriting really was a red flag, but she definitely didn't want to explain everything to me. I feel like she, she, she like glazed over a lot of things because something in my handwriting didn't, didn't seem right to her. So I don't know what it was I, to this day. So it kind of freaks me out a little bit. Have you noticed any red flags? Oh, gosh. Um, In my handwriting? Yeah, every time I see your handwriting, I'm like, oh, I think Annalisa is from (laughs) Quebec. (laughs) She's French-Canadian. And I winter in Boca Raton. Winters in Boca Raton. (laughs) Right. And sometimes I get violent with hot dogs. (laughs) While eating hot dogs. Wait, wait. Or well, writing. Wait, wait, eating. And eating hot dogs. So what you're telling me is if I ever see you eating a hot dog while (laughs) you're writing, I need to get out of the zip code. (laughs) Yes. And speaking of having issues with eating, though, I have another issue. I have an issue that occurred the other day. This is like a public service announcement to everybody. You have to be careful with the bag that Cheerios come in. Because I came to the end of the bag the other day and I I poured out cereal for the kids and I. And I, I was like getting ready to throw the bag away and I must have squeezed it and it was empty except for the Cheerio dust and I got blinded by Cheerio dust. It, it was all through my eyes. I, oh gosh, it was horrible. So if you ever need like a quick getaway and you're 
getting your cereal and some somebody's like close by and you need to escape, just squeeze that bag of Cheerio dust at them and it's a surefire way to blind them. Right. And then um, what they will have to do is call in the specialist to examine <laughs> the crime scene. Yes. And in which case I would say I can clearly see that this was the act of a serial killer. <laughs> It's like I set you up for that or something. You really did set. Wow. That was a, that was a huge softball. <laughs> yes, it was. I didn't and, even realize. No, and and I wish we could say we planned it, but that's just that's just how it happened. That's how we roll, guys. That's, that's just how it that's is. That's how here. we roll. All right. That's how we roll. Funny jokes about serial killers. That's yeah. that's our favorite joke material. Serial killers. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so uh, snow. Snow. We're yeah. not talking about the weather on this podcast. No, we're not going to do that. <sighs> I feel like I. What What are you having to drink, Annalisa? Oh. Okay, so this evening we went down to our six-pack shop, which is down down the street from where we live and owned by Justin Yonner, a great guy in the community, um, and he is selling local wines. So it, mostly, I mean, he's selling beer there and all kinds of craft beers and all, all different a, a variety, but he's now selling some wine. And so I got wine tonight from Woody Lodge Winery, and what I loved um, it's their Riesling, and most of their wines I noticed were they looked like they were kind of all on the sweeter side. Um, so I went with the Riesling. I didn't want something with like berry flavored or anything, but it's in this little tiny bottle. So essentially, it's one glass, and then you get to just sample it and see if you like it, and then you can go and buy a full bottle, which I really loved. I I, I didn't realize they were selling the little bottles until tonight. So I'm pretty excited about it. It's sweet, um, a bit clean and nice, and I'm enjoying it. So I would like to point out that when Annalisa says one little bottle, it is actually a regular sized bottle, and she has a giant wine glass. <laughs> oh, I do that, not. That holds an entire bottle of wine. So, I'm not Amy so, Schumer, so, and I am not drinking a huge glass of wine. No, it is a regular glass of wine, and it really was. It was just one one glass. I mean, you had a sip of it, but it really wasn't a it wasn't a super generous pour, but it it wasn't skimpy either. It's just the right amount. I, I don't even know if I'll get through all of it because already I can feel my cheeks. Getting a little rosy. What are you having? I, I'm having old Rasputin. Oh, got it. Which I've had before. It's a good. It's a good Russian imperial stout. Mm-hmm. But I only talk about it because I don't like to talk about anything related to Russia right now because people could be listening. Oh, and they're, they're, yeah. Right, right. You and don't you, want any collating of papers. Yeah, you already, as as, as <laughs> dedicated podcast listeners know, I've already been caught collating with the Russians. Yeah, so no so more. So I don't want to copy that again. Nope. Nope, definitely not. See what I did there? I did see what I you said, did there. I said copy. Yeah, Co- copy I that heard. again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Cop- copy that again. And I, I and I think with that with that horrible joke, we can move on to the interview with uh, our guest, uh, Brittany Jasper. Who is anything but horrible. She's fantastic, actually. Um, however, there is something that we have to point out. In, in our interview, during the interview, we've had some interruptions in, in past interviews. We've had doorbells ring. We've had kids make some sounds here and there. And in this one, we got to hear drilling that was happening in her bathroom. They're working on a bathroom in the house. And we're, we're, no, I think it was spies. There's some drilling that happens. It's not too obvious. You were really capable of getting most of it out and editing. But I did. I did all right. Yeah. So if you do hear right. some strange sounds, that's all that it is. Hi, Brittany. How are you? Doing pretty good. Nice Excellent. Sunday. Yeah, yeah, it's a beautiful Sunday. It's Super Bowl Sunday. Uh, due to the magic of podcasts, this won't come out till the end of February, so we can make our predictions and see how uh, how bad we are. I, I think the I think the Pats are going to take it. Do you agree, Annalisa? I don't want them to, but they probably will. <laughs> they win all the Super Bowls. That's what I mean. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that sports ball. It's good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I will say I, it's funny. We've seen some. There's some Eagles. There's some Eagles fans emerging here in Evansburg. And we, so we're in Western Pennsylvania, like in the heart of Steeler country. 
And so it's, it's interesting to see that there are some uh, Eagles fans emerging as, as we get closer to the game. What's, what's the uh, sports ball climate like for you up there in New Hampshire, right? Yeah. That's what I thought. All right. Oh, it's all Pats. Of all course. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah, we used to actually have – so we have Papa John's up here, which is super exciting because we didn't when I first moved up here. And um, they do this thing where every time the Pats win, uh, the next day your pizza's half off. So <laughs> – that's how much they like the pats up here. Wow. That's so fantastic. I'm always rooting for them because I'm like, yeah, if they win, then I get pizza. How <laughs> So now we see your true sports allegiance. It's all about the pizza. It totally is. Yeah. 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 Um, so you, are you in a rural part of New Hampshire? Is all of New Hampshire rural? I don't really know um, much about New Well, no. I mean, this. so there's a few cities um, that I would actually classify as cities in New Hampshire. There's uh, Nashville, Manchester, and um, Concord, and mm-hmm. then lots of smaller, like, towns. Um, and obviously, I mean, I'm from Memphis, so when I think of, like, city, city, it takes you, like, 45 minutes to get from one end to the other. Uh-huh. Here, you know, there. it's like, it's like a small city, so there's like one of everything, which is nice. Well, that's kind of the best of both worlds. Then you have a city, but you sort of still have a smaller vibe. Yes. Mm-hmm. And uh, how long have you guys lived there? You've lived there for a while now, right? Uh, yeah. So uh, when I first moved up here in 2008, um, we lived in Milford for a year, and then we moved here to the house that we're in. So we've been here for nine years. Oh wow, cool. And you have one, one little guy. Little girl? Yep, little boy. One little boy. Oh, nice. (laughs) (laughs) How old is he? He's two years and four months. Two years and four months. All right. I have um, I have a five five year old and a three year old, so we we know all about kiddos (laughs) and how 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 fun (laughs) and how tough they are sometimes. Why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself, Brittany? Just uh, what you've done, where you've been. Not really what your career is, but just just who is Brittany? Who is Brittany Jasper? (laughs) <laughs> well, that's vague and open-ended. <laughs> so I grew up in uh, Tennessee, in Memphis, and that sort of, obviously, your childhood really shapes you. So I've got a very uh, liberal mindset when it comes to a lot of different things. We moved to Mississippi when I was in 10th grade, and that was a really big change for me. And I basically spent the latter part of my high school career just reading hold up pretty much reading and then after that I graduated high school and I knew that I wanted to get kind of far away uh <laughs> further than driving like a day trip <laughs> no day <laughs> get as far away as, as possible yeah so I, I did tour a couple of uh local colleges and it was just a definite no-go for me so I ended up in um Springfield Missouri which is in the middle of the Ozarks. Um, it's a really beautiful place. Uh, lots of huge hills, and you know, one minute you're in the city, the next you're out in the wilderness, uh, kind of like up here. So I lived there for four years, finished college. Uh, halfway through college, I went to Japan for six months. Um, that was pretty life changing. Oh, wow, yeah. As well, I did study abroad. And I stayed with the Japanese family, and I didn't speak any English. <laughs> that was oh, fun. my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, and then when I got back, you know, I finished up college and then immediately moved up here to New Hampshire. 
<laughs> so why is there drilling happening? Just, just so we... Um, so we've had this project going on for over a year. My husband, with the best intentions, ripped out the entire upstairs bathroom. My dad was supposed to come and redo it, and he ended up building us a different bathroom downstairs. <laughs> <laughs> so we haven't had a bathroom upstairs for like a year and a half, and we finally hired someone to come finish it because I was, you know, I'm pregnant at my wit's end, and I want to pee upstairs. You want to be able to pee upstairs. So that's why there's drilling happening. <laughs> working on installing the bathtub today so well that hey that's that's life you know, yeah sometimes right. just drilling in the bathroom <laughs> yeah. so so you came back from japan right. finished up college and uh yeah so my husband and i we've known each other since we were 16. um wow we started the first time we met i was 17 he was 18. uh it was right before i went away to college and we were exclusive and long distance all the way through college and as soon as i graduated i moved up here and we got married and wow. that's awesome <laughs> fantastic well so then when while you were growing up and you're going through all these uh different places because it sounds like you definitely had a lot of uh different experiences while you're growing up what what did you want to be when you grow up so i kind of thought about this question you know i never really I wasn't one of those kids who knew what they wanted to be when they grew up. Like, I don't know. I don't think that if you asked my mom, she'd be like, oh, yeah, Brittany wanted to be a veterinarian when she grew up or a firefighter. You know, I, I don't think I ever aligned myself with any one thing. But when I ended up in Mississippi and um, basically spent two years reading books, I definitely knew that I wanted to do something with books and writing literature. And I wasn't sure if I wanted to be a librarian, work in a bookstore, be an editor, be a writer. Um, so I actually ended up going to college for creative writing. And I am good at it, but it is not what I do. Right. That's a, that's a tough field, though, man. I mean, it's it's really broad, and there's so many different ways it can go. And the thing about um, writing is I use it in everyday life. And Absolutely. I'm the best resume writer, the best, you know, my family all comes to me for any, anything like that. Right. It helps right. you no matter what you do. Well, exactly. Sure. It's applicable to everything. Yeah. Um, with that said, and this is really one of the big reasons I wanted to have you on the show is because you have a really cool, I don't even know if you'd call it a job, but your career right now is, is really <laughs> cool. So, so tell us a little bit about what it is that you do. Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm dying to hear about this because I sort of, he's only like fed me little tidbits and, and I've had to do my own exploring a little bit on you. <laughs> I've trolled your Facebook page a little bit just to like try to pick some things up, but um, I'm, I'm excited to hear more. I do a couple of different things, and I think one of the keys to being self-employed, and I tell a lot of people this, is that you can't put your all, all your eggs in one basket. The more that you do, the more abilities you have, the more outlets of income you have, the easier it's going to be to make ends meet. So when I lived in Japan, um, <laughs> and I don't know where the hell this business mentality came from, but my husband considers me like a Ferengi, like a dragon on a horde of gold, like I'm super... <laughs> when I was in Japan, I stumbled across like fabric stores and they just like the prints were completely different from anything I'd ever seen. And if you know about Japan, you kind of know about that like kawaii style. And so the fabrics were just like super interesting. And I'm kind of, it was right at the beginning of when Etsy was sort of coming out, but it's like they just sort of started. And I actually ended up buying fabric in Japan and reselling it on Etsy to an American audience. And I basically 
paid for everything I wanted to do while I was over there. And I had a bunch of money when I came back, stockpiles. That sort of started my love of uh, fabrics and textiles. When I came back, I tried to kind of continue that a little bit, but it was very hard at the time to get in touch with Japanese distributors. And it's a lot easier now. Of course, there's many, many American places that sell those Japanese fabrics. But at the time, if you didn't speak Japanese, they didn't have like an outlet for getting those over here. So right. and this was this is about how many years ago? About 10 years ago. Is that right? Um, this is 12 years ago. 12 years ago. Okay. Okay. Then I started making stuff with the fabric because I came home with literally like luggage filled with fabric, like my carry-on bag. <laughs> and, you know, I lugged it through the airport. So I had all this fabric and that's when I started making zipper pouches. I opened the Purple Hedgehog back in 2008 when I moved up here to New Hampshire. And then it just kind of, it was very slow going at first. It wasn't something that I was doing like with a full-time job. I was still looking for employment, you know, while I was up here, I wanted to be a librarian. This was an Etsy store that you started on, or you started this Etsy store called the Purple Hedgehog? Yep. Okay, great. And that's, I've taken a look actually, and I've seen some of the fabrics, which by the way, they're, they're awesome. Yeah. <laughs> there are so uh, many. Thank you. I'm reaching my 10 year anniversary now. I'll be having an anniversary sale soon. Um, and then about four, no, five years ago, I really started getting into vintage clothing. And it wasn't something that I was particularly knowledgeable about or that I was really passionate about when I was younger or anything like that. But I spent a year dressing up, not down. And it all kind of stemmed from <laughs> watching Project Runway, funny <laughs> So... Yeah, it just kind of really pushed me to look for unique, really well-made things. And I started to get really passionate about it. I would find the stuff in thrift stores that, you know, it wasn't necessarily my size, but I couldn't leave it behind. Started going to estate sales. And eventually I opened up Foxborough Vintage. And that's kind of been like a side thing for me for five years as well. And... um I, I, I've seen you on, on Facebook. You've actually had some pretty cool, um, your, your, your clothes that you've bought have wound up in some pretty cool places. You want to give us a couple examples? Yeah. So uh, when I first started out, I sold some home decor stuff to some restaurants that were opening up. I sent things to the costume director for the Astronauts Wives Club. And recently I sent a dress to, I can't remember, I think she's a marketing director for Christian Dealer in Paris. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, a package has never arrived in France as fast as that package has. <laughs> I don't know if it lands wow. in like French soil and they're like, oh, you get it there next day. <laughs> we know that name. But yeah, so that, that was cool. And then uh, my most recent one was um, a pair of shoes, which actually were, were mine, but um, they're too tall for my self to wear still so they're um, going to the show the marvelous miss Maisel. it was purchased uh, after the first season had already aired and won awards so we should be watching for your shoes on the show next year I, I feel as if um, vintage vintage anything has really become popular and maybe it maybe it was and maybe we're just you know maybe I'm noticing it a little bit more but 
um, it does seem to be something that a lot of people are interested in. And maybe it's because we live in this different kind of culture now where things are, things are very throwaway. I feel like you have something, it doesn't last very long and then you get a brand new one. And, and to have things that have lasted so long, you know, it's kind of interesting to see and, and the, the, the nostalgia, you know, it's, that's pretty interesting and cool. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, and that's one of the things that I love about vintage clothing. Um, you actually have a, a vintage dress in your hand and a lot of them were made by seamstresses. You went, you picked out your fabric, you picked out your pattern, they measured mm -hmm. and the construction and the workmanship that went into them was just absolutely amazing. Like you would literally pay $900 for a dress that was even comparable to the quality that those dresses were. Just right. beautiful construction. So Right. Now, I have a question about the um, Purple Hedgehog. You, you brought back all this fabric. Were you a seamstress prior to, like, did you sew? Were you someone? Uh, no. <laughs> really? Oh, wow. No. Wow, that's really interesting. Yeah, so um, I had a tiny little sewing machine that I think my dad had given me for Christmas one year. He's actually the person who knows how to sew in my family. He taught my sister and myself how. Um, I remember when I first started up, <laughs> I got this like review and the bottom of one of the bags that I sent out was crooked and they were like, you need to go to sewing school. <laughs> and I was like, ouch, burn. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that was many years ago and I've made thousands and thousands of pouches uh, since then. So. so no more crooked bottoms. No more crooked bottoms. <laughs> Wow. That's, I, I find that fascinating just because, you know, to, to pick something up that you'd never really necessarily done, but, but just being open to it, that's kind of like what you said, you have to be open to whatever sort of presents itself. And in some ways I feel like I've, I've been doing that recently. I started just making some decorative cakes for people and cupcakes and, and I just sort of decided to do it because I was like, Hmm, you know what? I think I could. And you have to sort of be open. Yeah. And I actually saw your cherry blossom cake. It was very it's very beautiful oh <laughs> thank you thank yeah. you yeah it would go along with the japanese culture it was it was for a girl actually who she she loves all things you know japanese inspired at this point and so that's that's why she wanted a cake like that um okay so you went on to the vintage clothing and uh, so you're doing those two things and i'm wondering like what are the stress levels is, is are there you know are there times where you just have so many projects or things that you have to do that you're very stressed and then other times where it sort of eases off uh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> so it really recently I've been trying to keep the stress levels down and, and you know, the this time of year is not that bad, but from, oh God, like October to December, mm -hmm. it's just through the roof. Like this year it was just, it was almost more than I could physically do myself. And like, I had to shut down my shop early because I couldn't keep taking orders because I wasn't sure that I could get them all out before Christmas. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely some stress levels there. And of course, you know, when you have your own business, you're always having to worry about like, well, I make enough to pay my bills this month. Do I need to do something extra? You know, Right. And how to budget that out because you do have, a, you know, you have a child and another on the way. So you, you have to have income all the time. Yep. <laughs> yeah. It was easier to be a starving artist whenever you're, you know, <laughs> one yeah. person or single, very, you know. Very true. So yeah. what with 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 another baby on the way and um what are your what are your plans? Do you continue to see yourself doing this? I mean, what what do you think will be next? Um yeah, I mean, you know, I've thought about 
going back to work at, at like a traditional setting, but it really, it just, you know, I've built these things from the ground and at this point I know that one thing would have to give. And so I would either have to stop doing what I'm doing now and just do, you know, the traditional day job and put my kids in daycare or continue on this path and sort of have the opportunity to grow it or keep it the same you know depending on where I'm at really I, I mean I make more doing this than I did in my last day job so I wow and you get to be home with your children yeah yeah and I, I did sign my son up for daycare two days a week just you know to get some time to work and have some you know quiet <laughs> mind time. I hear you mama yeah but um <laughs> No, he loves it and it's great for him. Uh, and they do a lot of art projects that I'm not willing to do. Um. <laughs> <laughs> right, I don't like to paint at home. I'm like, you can paint as much as you want at school, but I'm not going to play with shaving yeah. cream. Yeah, so he really enjoys that and it's, it's really good for me too. Uh, but again, that's another expense that I have to make sure is paid for every month. <laughs> But uh, yeah, every intention to keep on the path that I'm on right now, I do have an intention to grow my wholesale side of the Purple Hedgehog. Um, I haven't really touched into that yet, but I do get a lot of inquiries, people who want to carry it in their stores. Oh, wow. Because it's just me, you know, I really can't offer as much of a discount as they need. Traditionally, it's it's 50% off of your, your retail price, so I'm working on um kind of creating a, a new product line for that where the amount that they could charge and the amount that I would receive would both be equitable for equal parties. And then for my my clothing stuff, I've really expanded into um, modern clothing as well. Got involved with a lot of girls who are very into the mud cloth scene. So it's kind of like that mix of modern, vintage, quirky, you know, Jessica Day, new girl sort of situation. Mm -hmm. I've been pushing that forward a lot. And I'm just, for clarification, you don't have any kind of like brick or mortar type of, like this is all done online? It is all online, yeah. And even, like I wanted to have a brick and mortar store, um, but just hearing from all of the people that have had one or do have one, it's really not the right fit for me, I think. So mm -hmm. I'll just probably yeah. permanently stay online. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. You have to learn those kinds of things. Yeah. And well, and I think that's smart. I think brick and mortar is on its way out. Although I, I think with small business, you have a lot more <clears throat> wiggle room than than a lot of other more traditional brick and mortar. But yeah. I think I think there's a big big shift happening in in the world of retail, and we're going to see a lot of change over the next ten years. I would be very hesitant for anybody to get into something like that uh, right now. But. Yeah, yeah, and I've, you know, I mean, there are certainly vintage store success stories. There's a lot of of great ones, but really had to um, either close or offer modern products as well. Uh, you know, one of my favorite stores up here is called Modern Millie. It's in Salem, Massachusetts. Um, obviously their busiest time is October because of Halloween and, you know, just the, the place that they're in. But they, where they started out as really a consignment store, now they're a very large mix of sort of that same mod cloth slash vintage aesthetic. Mm -hmm. and so they've really had to change, you know, where they're at. And, you know, I, I've talked to the owner many times and it's very stressful. Very yeah. Well. yeah. Yeah. Well, you have to keep evolving with whatever is kind of happening. You, you know, your, your clientele. Yep. 
Yep. And yeah. sometimes if you need to evolve, but your store is not doing well, then can you afford to, you mm -hmm. know, really, there's a lot that sort of goes into keeping a brick and mortar alive. And um, yeah, so. <laughs> Wow. Well, it sounds like you're on the right track for sure. I mean, I, I, I'm, I think I'll have some new pouches in my future if I, if I had to guess. <laughs> so if you were going to open up uh, a brick and mortar store up there, theoretically in New England, um, what city would you open it in based on how cool the name sounds when you say it? <laughs> so the funny thing is, and actually a lot of people ask me this up here, there is actually a town called Foxborough up here. Hmm. Um, but it's F O X B O R O. It, in um, New Hampshire, or are you talking about in, uh, in Massachusetts? Yes, yeah, I thought that was a Mass. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so a lot of people ask me, like, "Are you from Foxborough?" And you know, I always say, "No, but I like the name." <laughs> <laughs> but so, got yeah, no, but I'm. I would want to open in a, a city like um, Portland or Portsmouth, um, which just has a really good. You need a. For a store like that, you would need a really good foot traffic vibe. So you need those people who are going to pass you by on foot, walking around, who are going to see or you. Or skis, since it's yeah. <laughs> snowshoes. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. How how is the winter up there this year? It's pretty been it's been pretty brutal here in Pennsylvania, off mm -hmm. and on. But when we get hit, we get hit hard. Uh, yeah, it's not that bad. I keep getting Facebook memories of like two years ago when we got uh, a foot or more every five days, and we actually have no snow on the ground right now. Oh wow! <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's falling here right now. We're we're getting it today. Yeah, I lived I lived up in Massachusetts that winter. That was the winter I was in Massachusetts. Oh yeah, welcome. Yeah, yeah. It's like, <laughs> hey, Jared, well, welcome to New England. <laughs> Yeah, no, that winter was probably the worst I've ever seen up here. Um, this winter, we had a really, really cold snap back in December. We were really scared for the future because uh, it was, we were talking like negative 13. Um, just like, you don't want to leave your house. No, that just hurts. <laughs> it hurts when yeah, you get outside. And, um, and then it just sort of, I wouldn't, I'm not going to call it warm, but, you know. It's, well, it's New England warm. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it's right. When down here, when it gets in the 30s, we call it Pennsylvania shorts weather. Yeah, it, and it kind of like it is. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. We have a 50 degree day, and I'm like, I don't need a coat. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Let's go swimming. <laughs> uh, so where can where can our listeners uh, find you at, Brittany? Where can they go and, and buy their stuff? Where can they stop by to say hi online? Uh, so I am on Instagram as Foxborough Vintage on Facebook, uh, Foxborough Vintage and the Purple Hedgehog both have their own pages. And then of course I'm on Etsy and actually if you just type in Foxborough Vintage or the Purple Hedgehog into Google, it is literally the first thing that comes up. Um, oh, that's yeah, fantastic, that's awesome. Brittany. Uh, you can check out my Etsy stores that way. And then uh, if you're looking for that more modern stuff, the mod cloth sort of stuff, I am on Poshmark and my closet name is Shop Foxborough. Well, yeah. thanks, Brittany. It was really, really nice talking to you and, and learning more about what you what you do. It's great talking to you both. <laughs> thanks for having me. Thanks a lot, Brittany. It was a lot of fun. <laughs> hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to the show. We hope you enjoyed it. As always, you can find new episodes of When I Grow Up on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. New episodes come out the second and fourth Wednesday of every month. You can find out more about me at truejared.com. That's T-R-U-J-A-R-E-D 
www.thepodcastnetwork.com. You can also hear the latest episode of the podcast on that website. Just follow the links. You can also visit Annalisa on her website, annalisabakes.com, A-N-N-A-L-I-S-A-B-A-K-E-S.com. Check out some of the really, really cool cakes that she makes. We'll be updating some new photos here pretty soon, I think. If you have any suggestions for the podcast or questions, you can always hit me up on Twitter at TrueJared, T-R-U-J-A-R-E-D. And as always, we'd really appreciate it if you took the time to give us a like, a rate, or a review. All right. Thanks, everybody. Peace.